First Peter chapter number one this morning. First Peter chapter number one. I guess that's a little different. Where I grew up, we had a name for chickens too. You want to know what it's called? Lunch. Amen. That's just a regional thing, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, good to see you in the house of the Lord. First Peter chapter number one. We're going to continue our our series we've been preaching through, if you're just joining us, uh, uh, the series titles, Encouraging Promises in a Discouraging World. We're certainly living in a discouraging world and can use some encouraging promises. And, and we've been working through chapter number one, and we talked about how uh, Peter here is writing to uh, the, that early church that was under persecution there in Rome, and how he told them the wonderful truths of salvation to encourage them. He, he reminded them trials are going to come and how we can make it through the trials and the purpose of those trials. And, and then he talked to us about the most high calling in our lives. And, and that, that was found in verse 15 when he said, But as he which has called you is holy, he said, So be ye holy in all manner of conversation. For it is written, uh, that, that Be ye holy, for I am holy, God said. And for the past couple of weeks, uh, we've been looking through uh, some, some truths about how is our response to our call to be holiness. And, Truths to consider in their call, and, and if you've been with us, you, 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 if you haven't, you work right quick, but we'll get you up to speed, because today's part three of that particular series, uh, within the series, and it's simply this, we've looked at this, His complete sacrifice, one of the truths to consider, uh, deserves our complete surrender. We also looked a couple weeks ago that God has reminded ourselves that God's not only our justifier, praise God He is, but He's also our judge, and then... We, we learned that, that, that redemption's not bought, it's not bred, it's not borrowed, you can't, you know, it's not earned, it's none of that. It's only through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And can I just stop for one second and say, don't ever take the blood out, amen? Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. It's black and white in the Bible. Then last week, we, we sat down and we, we looked at this fourth truth, and it was this, it was, it, it was simply this, our faith and our hope it needs to be in God and not in man. And, and we looked at some sub-truths of that, and we learned that man will never change, or man changes all the time, but God never will. We learned that, that man will lie, but God can't lie. We learned that man's not always faithful, but praise God, we serve a God who's always faithful. Faithful, amen. We learn a man will quit you. But praise God, God is the author and finisher of our faith. He is a finisher. And man has limited knowledge, but God has it all. We look at that, and finally, man will forget his promises, but God will always fulfill his promises. And today we're going to look at the final two principles from that go with that particular truth. And, and the truth of our calling to be holy as he's holy, our response, considerations in that calling. And, and today's probably the greatest two truths of the whole list. When I say that, you say, why do why you mean that? Because this is the ultimate calling in our life. It's the ultimate outworking of us living a consecrated life unto God. And it's all about this word love. The ultimate proof that I'm truly walking in the Spirit, that I'm truly filled with the Spirit of God, will be, how do I love? Specifically today, Peter's talking about how do I love the brethren? How do I love the brethren? He tells us we're to love them with a sincere, a fervent, and unfeigned love. Not with lip service, but with life service. This morning I want to look at that call. If you'd stand, we'll read one verse this morning. And we'll see where the Lord leads us. Got a lot of meat in this verse. In fact, I was, you say, how do you have one verse? And that's all we're covering. That's all we've really covered for a long time. We're on week number 11. Amen. In chapter number one. There's more truth here. I had to trim, 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 trim. Because if we would get this right, listen to me, church. If we would get this right, we couldn't contain this place. I'd have an unfeigned, fervent love for the brethren. Let's look at God's command. Verse 22. He starts with seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. Unto, pay attention to this, an unfeigned love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart. What's that last word? Say it with me. Fervently. See that ye love one another with a pure heart. Fervently. Let's pray. Father, I pray for the next few minutes, Lord, that you would arrest our attention, Lord. 
every one of us in this room, including this pastor, needs to do better in this area. Lord, we need to understand the calling that you put on our lives because you've saved our souls. To live holy. And the outworking of that will be a true, fervent, unfeigned love of the brethren. Lord, help us this morning not only to break down the words and understand exactly what Peter meant when he wrote that under the inspiration of God. But Lord, just as importantly, help us learn and get some application on how we can do this. The application of how to today. Lord, I pray this message will be an encouragement. I pray it will be a challenge. I pray, Lord, that it would do exactly what it needs to do in each and every life. May the Spirit of God now apply the truths of the Word of God to our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. We thank you for standing. You may be seated. As we look here in verse number 22, it says, Seeing that you have purified your souls and obeyed the truth, through the Spirit. Now, that's where he starts off. So we get we can't skip past that just to get to the second part. Understand what's going on here. Peter reminds us how we got saved. That's what he's saying. You know how we got saved? We got saved through the Spirit of the Holy Spirit of God Almighty. And it's through His Spirit. Someone came along and shared with you and with me the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, how Jesus died for our sins according to the Scriptures and was buried and rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And as we heard that wonderful truth of the gospel, how Jesus loved us so much that He took our beating, that He laid willingly laid His life down on Calvary's cross and, and that if we would just simply repent and change our mind and we would confess and agree with God that, that, that we can't save ourselves and trust in Jesus' finished work. We could be saved. We could have our souls purified. And that moment the Holy Spirit came in, you heard those truths, you, you listened to those truths, and then the Holy Spirit pricked your heart and he says, he's talking about you, bucko. That moment. You remember one of those moments? If you don't have one of those moments, you need to have one of those moments because you're not on your way to heaven. He said, that truth right there, that you need to repent, that you need to trust Jesus. That moment, he, the Holy Spirit did what nobody else can do. He pricked your heart and said, that's you, that's you, that's you, that's you. And you obeyed his call. And you turned and put your trust in Jesus Christ. That moment was the moment your soul was purified. That's what he's saying. Read it again with me, verse 22. He says, seeing that you have purified your souls through obeying the truth through the Spirit. Now he goes on to tell us after that, that after we got saved now, that's the context. Now he's going to go on to tell us why he saved us. Now pay attention to this, this very, very, very carefully. You were not saved so you could go to heaven. Oh, I got your attention, didn't I? If God's primary purpose in saving my soul and saving your soul was so we could go to heaven, the moment we got saved, we would have went to heaven. He's got something for us to do. He's got another calling in our life. And Peter's going to answer what it is. He's going to answer why. Why did God save our soul? No, don't get me wrong. Amen. Praise God. We get to go to heaven. Amen. It's a benefit of being saved. Amen. It's a product of being saved of what Jesus did in our life. But that's not why he saved us the primary purpose. Look what Peter says next as we continue to read. He says, seeing that you have a purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart. In other words, the moment the Holy Spirit of God took the Holy Scripture, showed you your need of a Holy Savior, you repented and believed, your soul was purified, and now God says, I got a purpose for you in life, and here it is. It's not necessarily for you to go to heaven. It is for you to love the brethren. You see what he says there? An unfeigned love to the brethren. That's our fifth principle today on our considerations to consider. We are to love, write this down, we are to love the brethren with an unfeigned love. We are to love the brethren with an unfeigned love. Now all of us know the greatest two commandments. Y'all remember when the Pharisees tried to trip, trip up Jesus and they said, what's the greatest two commandments in the in all the Bible, and Jesus said, Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. And then he goes on and love thy neighbor as thyself. And, and, and well, I've preached on this, and we've expounded this. That neighbor there really means everybody. It means even the ones you don't like a whole lot. But now, now Peter said, Jesus told us we're to love everybody. Now, Peter breaks it down even more specifically, and he even tells us specifically out of the love in everybody, we're really to love the brethren. 
And I'm, in fact, I'm going to tell you specifically how you're supposed to love the brethren. And he uses this word, this unfeigned love. Why, why, why is this so important for us? Well, because love is the very character of God. He is holy and he loves us. And a person who's consecrated unto the Lord will be one who has a love for others. Let's break this down this morning. Notice with me in verse 22. Twice he uses the word love. That's important for you to notice right off the bat. We're going to talk about it because it's not the same word in each, each case here in this verse. First he starts off with this word unfeigned. What, what, what a crazy word. We don't use things like that today, right? What does that mean? What does an unfeigned mean? Here's what it means. It means undisguised. It means sincere. It means without hypocrisy. Let me say that one more time. Without hypocrisy. What's the lost world called Christians the most? Hypocrites. Oh, you think Peter's scratching something here we need to itch? We're to love the brethren without hypocrisy. Now, when you get into that next word, he says an unfeigned, and look what the next word is, it's love. The love here, if you like to take notes, I'd write this down. It, it, it comes from the Greek word, and I'm not trying to pressure you, I just want to teach you because it's different here. It comes from the Greek word Philadelphia. Y'all know Greek, don't you? What's Philadelphia mean? The city of what? That's exactly what the word means. He's saying we're to, we're to love the brother with an unfeigned brotherly love. In fact, the whole phrase there, when it, when it says love of the brethren, from one word, Philadelphia, that means a brotherly love. That means, that means a, a love that, that, that is without hypocrisy, that's undisguised, that, that, that's sincere is probably the best way to look at it. And, and it literally means that brotherly love. The reason the world doesn't want what Christianity has is because we don't do that. As a whole, listen, we don't treat each other with an unfeigned brotherly love. They hear us, yeah, they don't hear us talking about love for one another. You know what they hear for, from us? They hear backbiting. They hear gossiping. They hear tearing down. They hear ripping apart brothers. They, they hear people who don't demonstrate this very truth, an unfeigned, sincere brotherly love that we're commanded to show. We're the only group I know in the world that shoots their own wounded. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That's not an unfeigned love, friends. Peter's saying, listen, I know Jesus said we're to love everybody, but there's a special, sincere, unfeigned, undisguised love we should have for one another. Look to your right. The other right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> look to your left. Everybody you see, look around. Look behind you. Look in front of you. How many profess to be saved? Hold your hands up if you profess to be saved. If you don't, that's all right. I'll tell you how you're in a minute. Amen. <laughs> look around. Everybody raise their hand, guess what? That's the one he's talking about, having an unfeigned, sincere, without hypocrisy, brotherly love for one another. That's what he's teaching. Now, we're going to teach you how, too. I just want to get the words. I want you to understand what they mean this morning. And again, Peter says, listen, if you're not sincerely loving the brethren, and by the way, let me just throw this in. That includes the ones that are different than you. Amen. That includes anybody who walks in here with a different skin color. Amen. That includes anybody who walks here with a different ethnic background. That includes anybody who walks in here even with some different beliefs. That includes anybody. That includes your worst enemy if they walk into this church and if they're saved by the grace of God. We're to love them. That includes people who aren't part of your clique. Oh, meddling now, aren't we? <laughs> if you're not doing that, you know what Peter's telling you? It's time for you to grow up. We run around thinking we're all spiritual tell, talking about everybody else. That, you know what you're revealing? How unspiritual you are. Somebody say amen. I can sit here all day. I can make this two parts too. We can go to part four next week. I don't care. Y'all got to help me or we don't go anywhere. Amen. Because <laughs> we're called to love each other with an unfeigned, sincere love. What does that look like? Let me give you some, let me give you some practicality here. How do we do it? I, 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 we would tend to, and I, I thank you for allowing us to go, attended a, 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 a Bible counseling, a New Fetic counseling conference and and seminar and training and went to these specific classes to deal with specific issues and learned a lot. And one of the things I learned, I'm going to give you this acronym that I thought was really good and was amazing how God puts it right there, right when you're getting ready to preach it. Y'all does that. And it just fits so perfect with this part of the message. One of the things I learned, we'll show you here in a minute. But the other thing I learned, I want to share this with you. Most of you won't get it, but it was the ultimate answer to every one of our problems. You know what our, our problems are? You know how to, how, how to fix our problems? Y'all ready? Stop it! <laughs> that was pretty good. That was it. I said, I came all the way up here to learn stop it. Man. 
But he's right. We just got to stop it. Amen. But here, here's some practicality. How do we show an unfeigned love for the brother? It starts with this. It makes a little acronym or, uh, or acrostic, I guess you call it, out of the word love. It starts with this, listening. Write that down. L for listening, right? The Bible says in Proverbs 1.15, a wise man will hear and increase learning. God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason, right? You've heard that a million times. That means we ought to do about twice as much listening as we do talking. Uh, James said this, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. When we sincerely love someone, we'll shut our mouth and listen. Somebody say amen. Oh, we'll stay on L. Amen. <laughs> now look at the O. Uh, we're going fast. We're right fast. Uh, o is just observing. Observing. We need to learn to look. This, is, this, this one hit home for me. As I get so busy, I'm kind of, whew, sometimes I, sometimes I walk right by you. It's not because I don't love you or anything like that. I'm, I'm so focused. I got one of those minds that sometimes I'm not looking around, observing like I should. We need to learn to look around, observe. You know, people walk into church, and, and some of you said this to me already today, and, and, and I've said it to you, you know, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed. I'm great. I'm wonderful. Amen. We put on all the church talk. But, you know, sometimes they're saying that, and their lips are lying to how they're, countenance shows. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You know, many times we come in here, we're hurt. Uh, God's people do hurt too, by the way. They go through trials and stuff. And one of the best things we can do is learn to observe one another's countenance. Now, not only just listen to what they're saying, but observe what they say. How you doing? I'm great. I'm blessed. It's amazing. Everybody's blessed on Sunday morning. Everybody's life's just perfect and going great on Sunday morning. We're a bunch of liars, aren't we? How many of you got problems? All right, don't tell me everything's perfect when I shake your hand on the way out the door, amen. Because we all do. <laughs> but God's still good, amen. I understand that side. But, but the truth is, many times folks around us are really hurt. And if we would open our eyes, and I'm talking to myself as much as anybody here, and observe people's countenance. And listen, when we observe something's going on, go to them. In a loving way, not a public way, but when, brother, you Looks like you're hurting. Can I help you with anything? I mean, reach out, observe, love. I wrote this truth. You don't have to have it on the screen, but write it down. I thought it was pretty good, so I made it bold. <laughs> it says this You often see someone hurting before you hear them hurting. Isn't that so true? You can't hide something. You can say it, you can shake hands, you can put dress the part, say the right thing, but you can see it. But you know why we don't see it? really don't observe the way we should. I'm talking to me. Let's be observant people, amen? Uh, uh, again, you'll, you'll see it for here. Listen to what P Peter said. I'm sorry, Paul said to Timothy. He said, I, I charge thee before God, brethren, in 1 Timothy 5.21, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say that thou observe these things without preferring one before the other, doing nothing by partiality. Look for hurting people you can encourage. Look for somebody whose countenance isn't what it used to be. Reach out to them. That's what I'm saying, love. Listening, observing, write the V down. It's valuing. Valuing. An unfeigned love of the brother is a love that esteems and values and shows value to others. That means we value our brothers' and sisters' opinions, even if they're different than ours. Amen. That means we brother, uh, value each other's work and our, each other's service and each other's families. and We just value each other as a human being. And we're commanded in the word of God to, to, to value others more than we even value ourselves. Listen to this. And Paul wrote in, in Philippians 2, 3, he said, Let nothing be done through, through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, he said, let each esteem other better than ourselves. Let me ask you this question. How do you value others? How do you esteem others? Do you see other brothers and sisters as just as important as you. I want you to think about that for a moment. We are by nature selfish people, aren't we? When you look at other people, do you can uh, you know the old look down your nose at them? Can I remind you of about without the grace of God, so go we. Amen. The Bible says not only do we look at them as equal, we're supposed to look at them and esteem them more than we esteem ourselves. Valuing others. Then finally, the E is simply this. It's expressing, expressing, 
This is, a, this is probably the most important step because, listen, it doesn't do us a whole lot of good to listen, to observe, and value others if we don't tell them, if we don't express it in somehow. And, and Paul challenged the Corinthian believers just, just, just as Christ proved his love, he said, we too need to prove the sincerity of our love. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 7. He says, therefore, as you abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, in all diligence, and, and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also, and he said, and then verse 8, to prove the sincerity of your love. Can I tell you it's what Jesus did? Romans 5, 8, for God commended his love towards us. He proved the sincerity of his love that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And, and that's what Peter's calling us to. He's calling us to, to prove that sincerity of our love. And that comes through expression, expressing it. Can I ask you, when's the last time you actually told somebody you loved them? That was a brother or sister in Christ. When, it's not always with words either. When's the last time you showed it? By doing a good deed, by, by doing a, a nice gesture, a nice action. God saved us so we could love the brethren with a sincere, unfeigned love. A love that listens, observes, values, and expresses. But not only that, keep on, we'll get our last principle today. Look at verse 22 again. He says, unto unfeigned love of the brethren. He goes on to say, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Not only are we to love the brethren with an unfeigned love, we're to love the brethren with a pure heart fervently, the Bible tells us. That's our final call, to consider our call to holiness. Now, this word love, if you're into word studies, it'll help you a lot, isn't the word Philadelphia anymore. The word love here used in the second part of the verse comes from the word agape. Agape is God's highest form of love. It's the, it's the kind of love that, 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 that Christ showed us. It's a, it's a, it, listen, it's an unmerited, unearned, undeserved, un, 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 un sacrificial kind of love. It is a love that, that only we can love another with through Christ. And as Christ lives in us, as we live a consecrated life, as we walk in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, you can't do it if you're not doing that. It's the highest calling of all. And he says, we're to love the brethren. But not only that, with agape love, the highest sacrificial kind of love known to man. But we're to do it with a pure heart, and we're to do it how? Fervently. Fervently. You know, what some of these words mean? Well, fervently means this. It means earnestly. It means intensely. It means zealously. It, it means it's with the same intensity that, that I turned on that TV at 8 o'clock last night, and I watched Inner Sandman watch Virginia Tech run on the field, and I was ready to cheer for them. That same intensity is the same intensity we ought to have when we're loving one another. Same intensity some of y'all will watch the Redskins with later. Amen. <laughs> Are they, they playing this week? I, I promise you can't pick on the Redskins every week. But, so, so, but you know what I'm talking about. It's, a mad, it's, a, it's amazing the intensity that he calls us to love one another with. So how do we do it? That's the question. How do we do it? How do we, how do we truly love each other that way? Now that we've defined the words, I want you to get some more how-tos. I've, I've had this written down for about four weeks now, <laughs> thinking I'd get there every week. But, uh, but I want to I give you some how-tos. This is going to be one of them, amen or oh me's. So y'all ready? Four truths. Are you ready? Let's go. Uh, number one, how do we love the brother with a pure heart fervently? Number one, we need to learn to speak to each other kindly. Flip with me to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. Learn to speak to each other kindly. Kindly. What does that mean? Well, the verse will explain it pretty well. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 29. As you flip it now. Give me just a second to get there. Paul writing here to the Ephesian believers, and he tells them all through the chapter things were to put off and put on, put off and put on. And here's one of the things we're to put off. And what we're to put on. He says in verse 29, he says, let, what's that next word? Y'all help me. No. All right. Let's stop right there. Circle that. Let no communicate. No. None. Let me define it for you. Zilch. Zilda. Nothing. That's what it means. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of, what's that next word? Edifying, lifting up, that it may minister grace unto the hearer. How do we love the brother? Fervently. 
with a, with a pure heart. It starts with how we talk. Amen? Now, if you want to know the definition here of corrupt communication, I, 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 I've told you this is a little more teaching, I understand, and we'll, we'll preach here in a minute, but the, listen, the Bible is the best interpreter, Scripture is the best interpreter of Scripture, right there in its verse. I, I've heard people say, well, that just means I'm not supposed to cuss and use four-letter words. No, the, the, the definition is given in the verse itself. Look with me again. What is the opposite of corrupt communication? It's any talk that lifts up. So here's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, anything I say that tears down, anything I say that doesn't minister grace to others, anything that's unkind, anything that, 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 that degrades, that does disintegrate, that, that goes against someone's character, we should not say to our brother. We're not to have, we're not to have that. No, it's any speech that doesn't lift up or edify others. Loving fervently involves speaking to each other with kindness. That means when you're speaking to each other, we're pretty good at that. I mean, very rarely we go up to somebody, hey, you pain in the butt, right? I can't stand you. Well, we do. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. Excuse me. It means when we're speaking to them. So hold on. This is the tough part. It also means when we're speaking about them. means when they're not there. Y'all with me? It's amazing how many Christians' mouths change from when they're talking to someone than when they're not around them and they're talking just about them. And he says, let no corrupt communication. Again, what's no mean? Zilda. What's corrupt communication? Anything that's not lifting up, edifying, ministering grace. Let me ask you this. How do you speak to other people? Let me ask you this one. How do you speak about them when they're not there? Is it with kindness? See, if we're going to truly grab this principle, that's why I said this is the ultimate power. If we're going to truly grab this principle, it's, it's, we got to learn to, 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 to love fervently. It's going to involve speaking to and about each other kindly. Write this next one down. Not only that, I believe we're to protect each other dogmatically. Protect each other dogmatically. Got a bunch of LYs today. Amen. Now, I understand this. One of my jobs as the under-shepherd, as the shepherd of this local church, under the leadership of our ultimate shepherd, the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, is to protect the sheep. I protect from false doctrine. And I think you've been here long enough, you'll see that I, that's one thing I have no problem doing. Amen. Uh, but I'm also to protect from uh, from each other killing each other. I mean, it's amazing. But it's not only my job to protect that. It's not only the shepherd's job to protect the sheep. The sheep can help protect each other too. You know, they get in groups, and you get in groups, it's hard to take down the whole group, and sometimes they outnumber, and it's our job to protect one another as well. I learned this lesson back in the playground when I was a kid. You don't talk about my friends, right? Y'all remember that when you were a little kid in the playground? Somebody come along talking about your friends? You didn't take too kindly to that, did you? I tell you, go a little further. Besides that, you'll find out how spiritual I'm not. You come talk about my family sometimes. You'll see how much growth potential I still got. Amen. <laughs> you'll probably see how quick I can get in the flesh and get out of the spirit if you do that. But can I remind you, you and I are family. Amen. And we should protect one another. Now, I'm not advocating getting in the flesh. That's not what I'm talking about here. But we are to protect one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm going to tell you one promise. I'm not going to let anybody in this church run anybody else in this church down in these years. Amen. Someone comes to me and they're attacking your character, I'm going to cut them off. By the way, someone comes to you attacking some other brother or sister's character, you ought to cut them off too. I've heard a lot of people say this. Help me with, pay attention here. This, I promise you this will help you. You may be one of them owe me, but people always sometimes come to me 
And I want to say this as kindly, but as honestly as I can. Come to me, and Pastor, I just, I just don't know. I mean, people always come to me. People are always coming to me, complaining about this person or that person, about this or that. And they, always, they just always come to me. Can I tell you why? Again, with a kind heart, best I know how. But as honest as I can. They come to you because you listen. And that's not the kind of listen he's telling us we should do. They come to you because you've got ears to hear. There's two reasons they ultimately come is, is because that is because you listen to the gossip, you listen to the slander, you listen to the whining, you listen to, 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 to people give you information and, and tearing down another brother and sister in a situation where you can't fix it. One guy said at that conference this week, I thought it was good, he said, here's a definition of gossip that you won't hear very much. It's when you tell anyone else so about, so, when you talk to anyone else about someone else when that other person can't fix it. You go talk to someone else about a situation they can't fix, you are gossiping. Come on. The reason they come tell you all the garbage is because you listen to it. And usually there's a second reason too because they know you'll repeat it. Mm. You don't have to amen that. I know I'm right. Amen. Let me tell you how to shut it down. I, I want to help you. I know, I know it's skinned a little bit, but I want to help you. Let's put some salve on. Here's how you shut it down. Simple. Next time somebody comes to you criticizing another brother or sister, the next time they come to you and just running down this or that or this situation, blah, 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 and it's not a situation you're in authority to fix, you do this. And I'll tell you what, I got their phone number. Let's call them right now. I know where they live. Let's go see them. They'll, they'll get what I call the Baptist porky pig syndrome. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Amen. <laughs> Let me tell you the Bible way of handling things. Flip with me real quick. We might not get the last one. Matthew 18, 15. You need to get this. We need to get this. We as a church need to get this. The Bible way of handling things. Matthew 18 and verse 15. Jesus talking here, talking about the futuristic church and how it's going to be handled. And he says here in verse 15, he says, moreover, brethren, same people again. He said, moreover, thy brother shall trespass against you. I mean, so you got a fault with somebody. you got a problem with somebody. That's all right. Yeah. By the way, that means you're, something you want to say. <laughs> you probably got a problem with them. Listen to the instruction. Here it is. Pay attention carefully. Go and tell him his fault between thee and him who? Alone. Write this down. Listen carefully. It doesn't say go tell your friends, does it? Come on. Let me tell you this. It doesn't even say go to the deacons, does it? Come on. Go to a church staff member. Then what it says. Let me write this it doesn't even say go to your pastor, does it? Not yet. <laughs> Step one is what? If you feel like you, it's bad enough in your mind that it's got to be said, then go tell them. Not everybody else. We get that fixed. I'm telling you what, we get rid of division and clicks and all this garbage in the church that hinders the work of Christ. I'm not saying we're super bad about doing that here, but hey, sometimes it's preventive, amen? Sometimes you take some vitamins so you don't get sick, amen? Listen, if you negatively criticize a brother and sister, if they're always coming to you, it's because you've got ears to cut them off. And if a problem's big enough for something to be said, then it's not big enough for you to say it to them, amen? Otherwise, here's, our, here's, the, here's the, the word that we learned this week. Stop it! Amen. Number three, write this down. I put that one early. That way you leave on a little better note here in a minute. <laughs> how, do we, how do we show the love for the brethren? How do we do it fervently? We've got to pray for each other faithfully. Pray for each other faithfully. 
You know James 5.16, you know, well, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, right? Sometimes one of the biggest lies we tell in church, besides I'm, I'm great and everything's fine, right, is I'll pray for you. Now, I'm not saying we do it with bad intentions. I, I think most of the time we do it, we really honestly mean to. But how often, let's just get real honest with us, how often do we really go pray about that? Biggest lie many times I see on Facebook. Praying, 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 praying. Really? Man, if all them people really did pray, there'd be a mountain moved right now. Come on. I believe prayer changes things. I tell you, man, if we, if we would learn to just, oh, man, just honestly seek God for one another, pray for the brethren faithfully, we could change so much in this world. Oh, I believe that. Brothers and sisters, love each other fervently. We'll pray for each other faithfully. Last one, let me give you this one. We'll go to the house tonight. We're to give sacrificially. Turn with me to James chapter 2 real quick. We're to give to each other sacrificially. Look at verse 15. James chapter 2, verse 15. Bible says this. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of them, or one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be filled, be filled warm and filled, but notwithstanding, ye give them not the things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? It's a great question. Here's what it's saying. If a brother or sister has a need and you have the ability and the opportunity to provide for that need, you're to give something. Amen. Now, separate this for just one second. Want versus need. That's important. Hey, listen, if I have it and you want it, I'm going to tell you to get a job and go get it yourself. Amen. But if I have it and you need it, it's yours. That's what we ought to do. That's the idea of giving to each other sacrificially. Luke 6.38, I use this all the time, and every preacher I know does, and while the application of this is wonderful and true when it comes to finances, it really is not speaking directly about finances. And yeah, I'll read it to you and save you some time, but it says this, Give and shall be given unto you. You know this verse with good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom for the same measure that you, you, have, you met with all. It shall be measured to you again. And again, we use that verse, and, and it's a great application of it when you're talking about financially, because you, you certainly can't outgive God, amen? And it's a wonderful application. But, but the true interpretation is really not so much about money. The context there, if you go back a few verses, it's talking about forgiveness. It's talking about uh, doing good to others and loving others and being kind to others and, and not condemning others. It, it's the idea. And so the verse is telling us this. Uh, it's not telling us so much what to give because it's a very wide verse. It's telling us that whatever we do give, we'll get back. And we'll get back more. Now that could affect us in multiple ways. Right? The truth's there. Whatever you give, hey, you'll get, you'll get that back and more of it. That can be negative or positive. Negative, it means if you want contention, just be contentious. If you want to argue, be argumentative. If you want division, be divisive. If you want to hate, keep on hating. Amen. If you want enemies, keep being an enemy. Hey, if you want drama, keep being a drama maker. Right? And if you want to be broke, don't ever give. That applies too. But on the positive side, can I tell you? Got some good application too. Amen. It means this. You want some love? Give some love. Amen. Hey, if you want friendship, be a friend. Hey, if you want a smile, give a smile. 
Hey, if you want your hand shook, then by golly, go shake a hand. If you want mercy, guess what? Give mercy. If you want forgiveness, give forgiveness. If you want somebody to talk to you, then learn to talk to somebody else. If you want grace, give grace. And yes, yes, it's still true. If you want money, give money. Amen. You not only get back what you give out, but you get back more of it. The Bible says a man that has friends must show himself friendly. Let me ask you this. What are we giving out? See, when we sincerely, fervently love the brethren, we will give to each other sacrificially. Let me put it all together as a summary here today on these two points. It's simply this. It's simply this. Peter's saying, that we're to have an unfeigned, that means sincere brotherly love for the brethren without hypocrisy, but we're also to do it with love one another, with a goppy love of Christ, and do it with a pure heart fervently. That's what he's saying. And when we have an unfeigned, fervent love for one another, listen, there is unity. And when there's unity, oh, my God glorified. That's my desire for our church. That's my desire for every church. That's my desire for the brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Listen. Give God maximum glory. How do we do that? By responding to his call to be holy. And one of those truths of responding to that call is learning to love the brethren with an unfeigned love, with a fervent, pure heart. I'm going to give you some time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God today. Lord, I thank you that while this is a hard calling, Lord, because every one of us in this room, including this preacher, falls short on many of these steps. Lord, that doesn't justify us not working at a bank. Lord, the more we walk in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, the easier this is, because you'll do it through us. But Lord, so often we just get caught up in our old fleshly ways. And the first thing that goes when the flesh gets once what it wants is our unfeigned, fervent love of the brethren. God, would you help Victory Way Baptist Church? Would you help this pastor? Would you help these dear people, Lord, to learn to please you and obey you by putting some of these principles into action in our life? Thank you for making it all possible through our, not only our saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and our personal relationship there, but in our walk with Christ. Lord, we can all do all things through Christ which strengthens us. Father, help us to be obedient in this area of loving the brethren. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd stand, heads bowed and eyes closed all over the room. Let me ask you a few questions just to, as we finish up here today. Talking to Christians first. Those of you who know that if you died right now, heaven would be your home because you put your trust solely in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Let me ask you, how many of you could, would just be honest with me to say, you know, I don't always listen the way I should. I don't always, I certainly don't always observe the way I should. I don't value the brethren the way I should, and I certainly don't express it. I don't always practice an unfeigned love. I'm able to say that. That's me. Just about every hand. Mine too. Amen. This was just as much for me as it was anybody else in this room. How about loving with a pure heart fervently? How about our mouths? Or the things we say to and about other people? Do we speak kindly? Do we protect one another dogmatically? <laughs> do we honestly pray for each other faithfully? And do we give to each other sacrificially? How many would say one or more of those areas? I, yeah, God spoke to my heart. I need to work on one of the more of those areas. Anybody like that today? Many hands. Mine too. That is what an unfeigned love of the brethren pure heart and fervent love means. That's what we're called to be. 
God help us to be folks that obey your scriptures. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior. You could, when I asked you a little bit ago, could you remember a time when the Holy Spirit said, he's, he's talking about you, pricked your heart and said, yes, you're the one that needs to turn to Jesus. You've never confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You've never believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead. It's not about I've always believed in God. It's have you repented, turned, put your full weight and trust in Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. If you've never done that, friend, I'm asking you right now, I'm, I'm imploring you right now, if you understand you're a sinner and that Jesus died for you and he's the only way to heaven right now, call upon his name. Right now he'll save your soul. You could pray something like this. It's not the words of the prayer that's going to save you. It's the person you're praying to and believing in and trusting in that will. But confession of the mouth is necessary. If that's you right now, right where you stand, pray something like this silently after me. Father God, I confess to you today that I'm a sinner. And today I turn to you, Lord Jesus. And I put my full faith and trust in your death, in your burial, and in your resurrection. As the payment for my sins, By faith I receive the free gift of eternal life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name we pray. With every head still bowed, every eye still closed, I'm not going to call you out, I'm not going to embarrass you, I'm not going to come to where you are, but I do want to pray for you. Today, you've, today you've got that settled. I just ask the Lord to save me. I now have a moment in time where I responded to the Holy Spirit. I obeyed the truth of the Spirit. Preacher, would you pray for me? I understand you're not calling me out and embarrass me, but, but I want you to pray for me. I wonder if there's somebody like that right now in this room. Just hold your hand up right now, and I'm going to pray for you. Thank you. Anyone else like that? Thank you, sir. Anyone else like that today? I definitely got it settled. Thank you, ma'am. I see that. Anyone else like that today? God, it's settled today. Anyone else? Father, I promised I wouldn't call anyone out, and I won't do that. This is the most important decision anyone can make in their life. And Lord, it's a private decision to trust you. It's one that they should share publicly, and we believe that happens when they get in the baptism pool. Lord, when they publicly identify with what they did privately today, when they turn to you and put their trust in you, Lord, I pray now that, Lord, they, that they begin their walk by, by being faithful and getting into a Bible-preaching, Bible-teaching church so they can grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Lord, that they would very soon make, this, make what they did privately today public by identifying with you through the Lord's baptism, through believers' baptism, as we are buried and identified with your death. And, and Lord, as we... Go under the water and identify with your burial and then, then raise up from the water and identify, Lord, with your resurrection from the dead. Lord, to publicly make clear and testify what you did privately in their heart and their life today. Lord, and I pray that you allow them to allow us to come alongside as well and to disciple them, to help them grow in grace and knowledge. Lord, thank you for being a God that still saves souls. And Lord, I think you want to do more in this place and in every Bible pre preaching, Bible teaching church in this land. And you could do more, but some, sometimes, Lord, we hinder, limit you because us as brethren aren't loving each other fervently the way you've called us to do with an unfeigned love. Help that start right now in this place today. Have your will and way today in this invitation, I pray. Whatever anyone needs, this altar is open. It's my brother sent you. Thank you.
Jesus loves me this side. Many, many hands that went up. For the Bible tells me so. Testified that little we struggle in this area. This altar's open. I invite you to come they pray there. You can pray in your seat. Weak, but he is and I pray this won't fall on not only yes, deaf ears, but it won't fall on hard hearts. Loves me. Yes, There's some areas Jesus in our consecration, me. in our walk with Christ. Yes, we got to improve on this preacher needs to improve on. We as believers need to improve. God help us to have an unstained love. So. One with a pure heart. Loves me. This I know. As he loved me so long ago, taking children on his knee, saying, let him come to me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me, he will stay close beside me on my way. He's prepared a home for me. And someday his face I'll see. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Bonnie Hill, amen, and Miss Bonnie wants to, uh, we've already talked, she's been saved by the grace of God, amen, been scripturally baptized, and, and today she wants to come be a member of Victory Way Baptist Church. If you're as excited about having Miss Bonnie become a member of Victory Way Baptist Church as I am, would you signify the good hearty amen? Any of those opposed? All right, the amen's have it, amen. Here's what I'm going to do. I want you to, I'm going to invite you to come. Say, extend to her the right hand of fellowship. Welcome her to our church family. And, and let's be praying that we can be the kind of church that she needs and she can be the kind of church member that we need. Amen. And uh, there's no accidents. Amen. Thank God for a gracious God. Welcome to our family. Amen. Brother Danny, would you pray and dismiss us?